0: Little bit. Last week we were introduced to uh, chapter 8 and the argument of chapter 8 goes right through to the beginning of chapter 11. Uh, In some ways, over these two weeks we will be digging in and out of the same issues. You might remember the issue last week. Uh, One of the big things was to do with food. Uh, And the Apostle Paul made it clear that as a Christian he was free to eat any food he chose to eat. Uh, But there were some people who thought that they were actually restricted in the foods that they could eat, probably mainly because they were familiar with the way the temples worked in Corinth. Uh, The temple wasn't simply a place of worship. It was a place where animals were sacrificed and then their meat was sold to the general public. And so if people had come from that background and they think, oh, gee, I'm not sure if I should eat that meat because it's been offered to another God. Paul knows that the other God wasn't actually a God at all. And that really all that's going on is a barbecue with a bit of confusion. And so he's free to to eat the meat. But he doesn't want to cause somebody with a tender conscience um, to do something that they think they shouldn't do because that would be to sin. And so what he says is, I'm not going to eat any of that meat at all if it's going to cause somebody else to stumble. Now, the big issue here is that we have freedom and therefore you could say, well, I've actually got rights to do what I want to do. But he's saying, that's not how you work out what to do. There's another issue that is more important. It's not simply what you know. It's got to do with whether you love. And so he says, love... Builds up, whereas knowledge can simply puff up. And so it's not just what you know, it's what you do with what you know. And what you do should be to love others. Now, he's continuing this argument, right? I'm just recapping that. Because in chapter 9, we see Paul illustrating the same idea with his own actions. Um, and in particular, he's practicing what he preaches. And he is not standing on his rights. He's foregoing his rights for the sake of being loving to others. Now, I'll give you a little bit more background to this. You can pick up as you read through uh, 1 and 2 Corinthians, the two letters, that there's a kind of background going on where the Corinthians are impressed with some other preachers, um, some other so called super apostles. And these so-called super-apostles looked impressive in worldly terms. They did stuff that built up their reputation, whereas Paul did stuff that damaged his reputation. And I think one of the examples probably behind this passage here is it's quite reasonable to think that these other super-apostles would have been well-paid for their preaching. But what Paul says is that rather than be paid for his preaching, he's happy to raise the money himself so that he can preach for free. And so if you just look at it from the outside and you think, okay, here are these others who who are getting, say, their tens of thousands for their preaching gigs, and here's Paul who comes in as a volunteer and doesn't get paid anything, it looks like they're far more impressive perhaps more spiritual, more godly, than Paul, who's doing it for free. But he's saying, I would rather forego my rights so as to be able to offer the gospel to people free of charge. Now, the the punchline, really, well, there's three of them. If you've got 1 Corinthians 9 open, you can see it there in verse 12. He says, if others have this right of support from you, that is, he has a right to be paid for preaching. In fact, even the Bible talks about that. Uh, he says, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we do not use this right, he says. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Or if you go down to verse 15. But I have not used this right, he says. He says. Haven't used any of these rights, and down again in verse eighteen, he says, "What then is my reward? Just this: that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel." Now, he's not saying that he shouldn't be paid as a preacher. Because, and I'm skipping over this so that we can dig into some things in a bit more detail, he's made the point through the passage that it's quite reasonable for him to earn a living from what he's doing. He chooses not to. He doesn't want to put any offence in the way of people hearing the good news about Jesus. And as a pioneer missionary, as somebody who's reaching out into a new culture, as somebody who's engaging with people who are not yet Christians, he doesn't want them to be paying for him to bring the message to them. He wants to be able to say, no, it's, it's a gift. It's a gift from God and I'm giving it to you through my ministry as a gift to you now. So that's his attitude, right? He's willing to forego his rights so as to offer the gospel to people uh, free of charge. In fact, he's choosing, he's deliberately choosing to be a volunteer. So if you look down at verse 17, he says, If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. Paul's desire is to be known to be preaching the gospel of his own choice without receiving any money for what he's doing, so that the only reward that he gets is that he is able to offer it free of charge. Now, um, again, a little bit more background so that we grasp this. He's not talking about any Christian or any preacher. Uh, He's talking about himself and there's something particular about Paul. Paul was converted as he walked to Damascus where he met the resurrected Lord Jesus. And Jesus gave him... A charge. He gave him a job to do. Um, he commissioned Paul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, if he was to take a living from doing that, if he was to be paid for doing that, people could look at him and say, Well, you're just in this for what you can get. But even though he'd been commissioned by Jesus to do it, he wanted to show very clearly that it was his heart that it was his desire that he wanted to voluntarily bring the message. And the best way he could do that was to do it for free. I think that's the point that he's making. And that shows something really important about Paul. That is, he's not somebody who stands on his rights. He's he's, he's very willing to give up his rights for the sake of reaching other people. And, uh, I want us to see just how dramatically he does this. Now, there's big things going on in the first century. There's massive things happening in the New Testament. Um, And and one of the things that's a feature uh, almost in every church that we get a window into as we read through the letters to the churches is how Jews relate to Gentiles. Because you've got to remember that, that Jewish Christians came with the baggage of the whole of the Old Testament, which had said, you're a special people, you're a unique people, you're a chosen people, you're a kingdom, you're precious, you are God's own. And then there was everyone else. Right? And so you think, okay, well, I'm a Jewish Christian, and then there's everyone else. And there's a great danger for the Jewish Christian to be full of pride because they've got the whole of the Old Testament for themselves and then they... Well, these other people, they're Johnny-come-latelys, right? But there are other things. They had particular ways of going about their life, their culture, their religion. They had a Sabbath day, which was different to the Gentiles. They had particular foods that were kosher that they could eat and things that they would never eat. Wouldn't eat prawns, wouldn't eat lobster wouldn't eat any of the good stuff, right? Now, there were so many things that singled them out as different. And in the book of Acts, um, if you've you've read the account of Peter, uh, who was told to go to a Gentile called Cornelius, and and he didn't want to do that because that was unclean to go to this guy. And then the thought of actually eating with someone like that And God had to send him a vision, I think it was three times, wasn't it? Before he came to realise that God's message wasn't just for the Jews, it was for the Gentiles. And then you read the book of Romans saying there's all this controversy about days and foods and drinks and, and ceremonies. It's the same in 1 Corinthians, the same throughout so many of the letters. It's a multicultural problem. But the gospel is a gospel for people from every tribe and people and language. And we need to work out how to bring that good news into different cultural settings. That's driving Paul's willingness to be flexible. And look at how flexible he is. I'm just going to read these verses again. We're going to focus on verses 19 to 22. Paul says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. i become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Now you notice that there's incredible cultural flexibility. Paul will put himself out. Um, he he knows what it is to be a Jew. I mean, he's he's from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, he he grew up in a Pharisaic context. Uh, he, he was uh, he was taught by the best. Uh, He knew all of the Old Testament really well. I mean, he's seriously a Jew, but he's also one who was able to relate brilliantly to the Gentiles. In fact, God sent him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, He he claims his, uh, his Roman citizenship at one point. So Paul works out, how he should live among the people that he's with so as to remove cultural barriers to them understanding his message. And so to a Jew, if he's having dinner with them uh, and and they've come to his house, whilst he might often on Wednesdays have sweet and sour pork, he won't this Wednesday because he would realise that that's adding another layer of difficulty for the Jew to come to understand the freedom that they have in Christ. All right? Or if he was to uh, he's a bit of a tent maker, right? And, and he might know a, a young Jewish lad who needs help. Uh, bit of work. Let's, let's get him making some tents. He's not going to invite him over on Friday night or on Saturday to learn how to work as a tent maker, is he? Because that's the Sabbath. And that would be another source of difficulty for that young Jewish lad. And there are many, many issues that are like this. And I think there are for us as well. But I I want us to get the mindset clear before we explore this. Notice the mindset. It's in every verse here. Why does he make himself a slave to everyone? To win as many as possible. Why does he become like a Jew? To win the Jews. Why does he become like one not under the law or under the law? Well, it's to win these people. To the weak he becomes weak, to win the weak, so that by all possible means in becoming all things to all people, he might save some. So the big driver for the Apostle Paul is that he was willing to become like other people so that they could become like him in knowing Jesus. He was willing to be flexible with all kinds of different issues, willing perhaps to do things that he would never naturally do or not do things that he absolutely loved to do because that was of no eternal consequence. The only thing of eternal consequence was that they became like him in knowing the Lord Jesus. So here's the challenge, isn't it, for, for us. It's a, it's a mindset of cultural flexibility for the sake of others coming to know Jesus. You, you've heard the, um, the saying, haven't you, that um, the people can wear different hats. Yeah, you know, different hats for different contexts, right? Well, I, I'd like to illustrate this with some hats, all right? So I've brought a few hats with me uh, that I, I'm going to put on. Now, I, I could wear this hat, right, for example. Um, what would be the context for this hat? Probably fit in in Belgium? Um, if I wanted to be in Paddington, yes, there you go. Um, or maybe if I was in Mossman, I, uh, I might wear this hat, you yeah, this is little... Cool. Pretty sharp, don't you think? Yeah, not too, not too bad. Um, perhaps if I'm up at Dorigo, I have this hat on. What do you reckon? Yeah, not bad. Uh, if I wanted to fit in with the, like, hat bowling club, I'd probably wear this hat, right? There we go. Or I could stand behind the wickets and, uh, and tell you when they're out. Uh, I don't wear those sort of hats that often. If, if I wanted to fit in in Port Macquarie... You know, Say so I'm a bit of a local, I'd probably wear my volunteer uh, Iron Man cap, wouldn't I? Or um, well maybe if I wanted to show you that I've, I've uh, actually get on with people in Canberra, actually you wouldn't know that. But this is Crossroads Christian Church's hat. Um, or if I wanted to make a little bit of a statement, perhaps get some conversation going. Say, why do I wear this hat? After Stace, eternity, uh, but typically. I like to wear this hat here because it's one of my favourites. It's the most comfortable, and I'm still holding out a slim wish of uh, of maybe riding a Harley Davidson one day, and uh, and it would help me to relate to people who were other other bike hats. There we go, two orange hats, in the room <laughs> would connect.
1: Maybe if I wanted
0: to connect with people who were um, who were struggling with rare cancers, I'd wear this one. Wouldn't mean much to many of you, but. Uh, if you've had any involvement with uh, rare cancers, this is, a, this is a hat that advertises them. If I wanted to get on with, um, uh, with, with people who hang around mangroves and, and, and go on kayaks and, uh, and, um, or ride camels, I could wear my uh, French Foreign Legion hat. And maybe if I wanted to hang out with the arts community, I could kind of um, <laughs> hang out with the people down at... Uh, at Rainbow Beach doing their painting. Uh, now, if, if I was, um, yes, we've got a game tonight, I was, I was looking for the Argentina hat so I could compare, couldn't find it, but uh, yes, I, I, I do like a bit of rugby, in fact, um, there, there are some things, some hats that would just be really, really difficult for me to wear. Um, I would I'd cringe a little when I wore this, although they don't exist anymore, so that's not too bad, the Western Force. Um, the only team that beat my team twice this year, the Melbourne Rebels. But you see, if I was sitting in Melbourne and wanted to connect with people, uh, I might wear this, right? It, it might actually help me to fit in. Or if I was in Brisbane, I might wear this one. And the hardest one for me ever to wear would be this one, this Waratah's cap. Uh, because really, and you can tell by all the signatures that are over it and the fact that I've got one from every year, that where I'm most comfortable is wearing my Brumbies cap. All right, But it's about fitting in. It's about connecting. It's about being all things to all people. That's what it's about. And if, if, I, uh, if I wanted to seem like I was actually sporty, I could wear this one that I found somewhere. Or if I was back uh, in Canberra, I'd probably need to wear this one. Because it's cold, all right? Now, you think that's a lot of hats. I actually left 42 Brumbies caps at home and didn't bring them. (laughs) Now, why do I say that? Well, I want us to think about our flexibility, our willingness to be culturally adaptable to connect with people around us. And who have we got around us? You tell me, what, what are some of the people that, that we might want to connect with? People who don't yet know Jesus. The homeless. The homeless? Surfers. Surfers? Okay, you had two. <laughs> the homeless surfers? Sorry, you only meant one, right, okay. <laughs> Retirees, though. Retirees, yeah. People who go through hard times. People go through hard times, yeah. No Neighbours, yeah. Politicians. Boaties. Boaties, yeah. Politicians, yeah, some of them. Work colleagues. Work colleagues? Yeah. Now just that's enough for me to point something out. It's very difficult for us to be all things to all people, isn't it? See, if I stand behind here, I could you know I've got a button shirt, I'm trying to reach retirees, okay? If I come out here, I've got a pair of amphibious shorts on and no, no thongs, right? I'm trying to reach the beach community. I mean, it, it's difficult, right? But it's about being sensitive and not causing offence. And we need to have our eyes open. And we need to have a heart for people. Because if we don't have a heart for people, I'll just wear whichever, whichever hat makes me feel most comfortable, right? Rather than thinking, which hat might help me to connect with those around about me? It's interesting. When I went to, the first time I ever went to Africa, uh, it was back in 1995 and I went to Kenya. I was invited while I was in Nairobi to speak at Kenyatta University Church. Uh, That was quite an experience, I can tell you. There were over 3,000 people in that church and I learnt very quickly if I said the word Amen, then 3,000 people would say it after me. Um, but as I met up with the pastor to go to the church, he looked at me uh, and he was worried. Why do you think he might have been worried? Uh, well, no, I, I did dress up fairly well. I had an earring. Right? And in his culture, to have an earring was to say that I was openly homosexual. And I hadn't even thought about it. And in my culture, it didn't mean that. So what do I do? Well, I told him how wrong he was and how I'd be wearing my earring and how there was nothing that he could do about it. Now, of course I didn't do that. I pulled it out and I stuck it in my wallet. Because I didn't want to put anything in the way of them listening to the Word of God and taking my preaching of the Word of God seriously. What sorts of things do we need to do? How do we need to reach out? It's interesting. I I think the, the modern missionary movement has actually done some great things, but I think it's also made some bad mistakes in this regard. Why is it that in Northern Australia the Aboriginal community have pastors who wear long robes and collars and sometimes hats. Well, because that's the way the missionaries brought the message. Not all of them. Why is it the case that some missionaries are more effective than others? It's interesting, if if you study the history of mission to China... Um, there were a great many missionaries who were basically quite ineffective. Uh, They went and stayed on the coastal regions of China. Um, They ate their Western food. They mixed with their Western people. uh, And they did very little to fit in. But then there was another man called Hudson Taylor who decided to dress like a Chinaman who grew a long plait behind him like they wore their hair who ate Chinese food, who travelled inland to show that he was committed to being with the people. And he left a massive impact for the gospel. Friends, we need to have a mindset of cultural flexibility. But, and I want to say this quickly without going into great detail about it, and I think Steve mentioned it last week, we need to work out the difference between cultural flexibility and gospel flexibility. Um, it's not the message that we change. Paul said, if anyone preaches a gospel other than the gospel that he received from Jesus, that he's passing on to them, let them be accursed, he said. And then he said, if you didn't get it, I'm going to say it again. And so it's there twice in two verses. Um, no, there's one gospel, it's about Jesus. And that's the only way that people can be saved. But how you dress when you talk to people, where you go to talk with people, what you eat and drink when you're with people, um, how you uh, conduct yourselves with people, what type of music you listen to and play with people, uh, whether you're involved in, in community activities, with people, all these things are flexible. Flexible. Here's some basics, right? This assumes that we know people who are not Christian and that we spend time with them. Um, For some of us, that might be the thing where we need to start. I know there have been times in my life as a minister when I'd wake up in the morning and I think, I barely know a person who's not a Christian. And for that reason, I, I, I chose to take some particular steps to make sure that I was connecting with people who didn't yet know Jesus. Maybe you need to do that. I know that there are some people whose lives have been so caught up with Christians, uh, whether it's the fact that that they're involved in in a Christian workplace, maybe working in a Christian school, maybe socialising with Christian people, playing sport in Christian organisations, only listening to Christian music. There's all sorts of different ways that we can isolate ourselves from those around about us. Do we need to take some steps to get to know one another, to meet our neighbours, to meet people in our community, to reach out to those who don't know Jesus? And what do we need to change in ourselves and how we conduct ourselves so that we can be effective in reaching different cultures and subcultures and groups around about us? Um, I hope that we might have discussion about this um, I I could raise all sorts of different possibilities and ideas, but this really ought to be the bread and butter of what we talk about and what we do just week to week. Praying for each other as we talk to our friends and our neighbours and our workmates and our school friends and our university buddies, those that we play sport with, those that we surf with, those that we ride with, those that we hang out with. Let's encourage each other... To be mission minded, to be multiculturally mission minded. And that's going to require some adjustments. Finally, in the last section of this passage, I think what Paul's saying is basically this takes focus. Where he talks there about athletes and he talks about soldiers and he talks about boxers, um, I think what he's saying is that it takes focus. All right? Well, how about we pray, and then we might just have a minute for talking about some of this together. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for your word. We we thank you for the challenge to be flexible with the gospel. uh, Sorry, flexible with how we communicate the gospel and how we relate to people around about us. Help us to be clear on the truth about Jesus. but we pray that we'll be willing to be uncomfortable, we'll be willing to forego our rights, uh, we'll be generous, so that people around us might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And we pray this in His name. Amen. Well, we might just take a minute. Um, if. There-